Most of us have been there one time or another. It's well after midnight, and it feels like you could party until the sun comes up. Suddenly over the speakers of your favorite bar comes a familiar chord pattern. Followed by the first notes of a piano line that's going to be inevitably stuck in your head when you wake up with a hangover the next morning. We all know the song. We can sing just about every word and most likely do it that evening with the rest of the bar. Closing time. Open all the doors and let you out into the world. Still, how many of us can name the band? Has anyone heard another song by these guys? How is a song by a band that faded into obscurity still the anthem for a great evening after 22 years? Sometimes success is a flash in the pan. Sometimes you leave behind a legacy. Today on Hidden Jukebox, we discuss the ultimate 90s one-hit wonder, Semisonic's Closing Time. I know who want to take me home. I know who want to take me home. Oh, Jake, this is, this is going to be fun, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. So for those who uh, may not have listened last month, we are changing up the format for an indefinite amount of time. We'll probably come back to doing albums, but we're going to be doing single songs for a little bit, uh, trying to focus in. And maybe for somebody who says a 45 minute to an hour long podcast is way too long. Here's a little 15 minute snippet that'll be easy for you. So now you have yeah. no excuse. I don't think we're going to fit it into 15 minutes, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I, well, there's a lot to say about this song I know. and this band. It's ridiculous. Okay, so um, a little bit of background on this song. So um, this was from Semisonics. It was the opening song on Semisonics' first album. Uh, and Dan Wilson, the singer-songwriter who wrote the song, went on to be an extremely successful songwriter, like as successful as you can get without being one of those Swedish guys. Well, to be clear, second album. Second they album, had, sorry. Th- they had released another album. It's just like, like everything else, nobody ever heard it. Right. Um, and so he wrote songs for Adele. He wrote half a Dixie Chicks album, excuse me, The Chicks. Um, and uh, he has won two Grammys, Song of the Year and Album of the Year. Neither of which were for closing time. No, it was nominated for Best Rock Song and did not win. He wrote Someone Like You, which, if you don't know it, is one of Adele's biggest hits. And I did not know this until doing research for this, and I'm blown away. Yeah. The song that he won uh, the Grammy for is Not Ready to Make Nice by the Chicks uh, and was an enormous number one hit for them. Oh, yeah. So there are a couple things, like, I, I want to talk about the song, but then I want to also talk about songs like this. That uh, like th- This song has two, two things that I think characterize it for me. One is that it's a true one-hit wonder in the sense that everybody knows it, not everyone can name the band, and almost no one can name another song by the band. And, and so I was thinking about this a lot this week where it's like there are certain songs like jump by crisscross <laughs> yeah where, where despite the fact that it's a one-hit wonder most people i think can t- can say who it's by um like that is one song where it's like everybody remembers crisscross because their name 
was their look as well (laughs) (laughs) yes true it's like oh your pants are on backwards it's like they're crisscross uh so that's definitely one that people know but there's a lot Wait, of other are you hits. suggesting that they started wearing their pants backwards first and then someone said you should call your band crisscross what if it's the other way does it really matter okay. your name is crisscross maybe you should start wearing your clothes backwards hey that's a great idea yeah i do get the sense actually that i don't i have no inside information about about the history of the band crisscross but i think probably there was a moment where someone told them like i'm your manager and you have to start wearing your pants backwards and they were like come on <laughs> while they were only what like 12 or 13 when Fair. That okay so yes they're like okay yeah, you're gonna pay us how much okay so, so probably their moms told them that they were <laughs> <laughs> you wear your your pants backwards son or you're grounded <laughs> um so so semisonic uh it's a name that most people, I, I don't know if I should say most people, I feel like some people are going to say to us, how dare you? Of course I know who that, that song is by, but I didn't really know the name of the band for years. I st- still couldn't tell you what album this song is from. I couldn't name another one of their songs. They didn't really have any hits. Um, one of the things that's somewhat interesting to me is... This is one of these bands that, despite the fact that they didn't really do anything after 2001, they never announced that they were breaking up. They never announced that they were going on hiatus. And all of a sudden, in 2017, they reformed with no new musicians. It was the exact same band. That's impressive. And, and I shouldn't even say reformed. They just got back together and started writing and recording music together again like 17 years hadn't passed. Just like, well, we weren't on hiatus. We just decided not to do anything for 17 years. Well, I mean, because one of the one of the the main guy was kind of busy, like winning Grammys and stuff. Well, and, and something that we were just talking about before we started recording here is Dan Wilson, the uh songwriter for this band didn't start producing and recording songs for other artists until 1999 the year after this song came out so who knows how this progression worked but it was almost like he decided to take up another job besides doing a band where he's like well maybe i can make money producing and writing music and in terms of success over the last 20 years there's not many other singer-songwriters who have achieved something like this. Right. The other one that comes to mind is uh, the guy from from The Bird and the Bee and Geggy Ta, who also worked with Adele. Oh, right. Th- this is always like... Greg Kirsten. <laughs> yeah, there's this yeah. always th- this thing that really bothers you. because. Oh, yeah, like... yeah, that the guy from Geggy Ta became a songwriting billionaire. Yes, it bothers me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but some of the credits besides the Dixie Chicks and Adele for Dan Wilson include quite a bit of stuff for Mike Doty, Jason Mraz, oh, nice. Glenn, Glenn Phillips, uh, Rachel Yamagata. He's done uh, two songs for Weezer, Josh Groban, Leanne Rimes, John Legend. Panic Does at Mike the Disco. Doty belong in the same list with, with all the other people you said? Oh, people who loved uh, Soul Coughing absolutely love mike Doty oh no i think mike Doty is great i love the song busting up a starbucks yeah it's a great song 
but you know that that's part of what's amazing about this guy is the the breadth of the type of music that he is writing and producing is all over the map like more recently he's been doing fantagram and leon bridges which couldn't be more different from each other i don't know fantagram oh you should listen to fantagram they are a really interesting band um he's even written a song for celine dion so this guy has been all over the place is you know i'm speculating here but is probably a millionaire at this point sure off of the stuff that he's written and the only thing that anybody really knows him for specifically is this one song that came out in 1998 yeah so aside from being a one-hit wonder and i do want to come back to that and talk about other one-hit wonders from the 90s because i want to do another one next time um, but this is one of those songs that sounds like a classic the moment it drops, not just not just in the sense that it's a good song, although it is, but that it sounds like I can't believe it took until 1998 for this particular melody and lyrics to come along. Like, it seems like it happened before that and he just kind of picked it out of the air. Yeah, somebody should have done this. Even the piano line at the beginning is like, well, he wants to rip that off from somebody because I know I've heard that before. Yeah. Oh, and we're that, that, I'm definitely going to drop that piano line in over the intro. <laughs> you have to because yes. I discussed it in the right. intro. Okay, the like there, so other songs that I you know something that that some I will like stop and think like even even like when I'm not high, uh, <laughs> you know periodically is not for us but for our parents. There was a time in their life when they were full grown adults when Stairway to Heaven was a new song. Yeah, I, I know, I know, and we've talked about this before. It, I know it still boggles pa- my mind. Part of what makes me feel old now is there are now kids who are out there like, oh, well, Jake and Matthew were alive when Nirvana came around. Yeah, people like, think about us a lot. <laughs> I'm somewhat important. No, I'm not important at all. But you know that that I now have songs that were I was around when they came out that are played on classic rock stations. Yeah. Oh, uh, for sure. Um, and I'm like, so I tried I'm to th- sorry. Go ahead. I, I tried to think about like, what are some other songs like that? that? Like the first time I heard them, it seemed like I must have heard them a thousand times before. Um, the, the one that immediately came to mind was there. She goes by the laws, which I, I love that. Song. Yeah, it's terrific. Uh, you mentioned Bittersweet Symphony, absolutely. Yeah. And then the other one that I thought of, like, just before we went on, we came on uh, uh, into the studio is uh, the first song on the first Arcade Fire album, which I don't think is a super well-known song, even though it's a very famous band. Uh, and it's not like it gets played on the radio, but I had read the Pitchfork review of the Arcade Fire, and I'm like, well, okay, I have to buy this album, of course. I do what I'm told. Uh, and I put it on, <laughs> and that first song came on, and I'm like... I don't even understand like what century this is coming from. Right. Right. It, it's, it's amazing. It, it's, it's timeless. And I, I encourage anybody who's never heard the entire album, the funeral um, to go and listen to it. But neighborhood number one is a fantastic yeah. song. Um, and I th- think we even mentioned wake up in a, a yeah. more recent episode. So one of the things that I thought about when I, uh, went back and listened to closing time is this song is an anthem. It, yes. It, it is something that 
when people hear it, they think of a specific thing, not a specific time in their life, but they're like, oh, I've been at a bar when it's closing time and this song comes on, somebody plays it. What other songs are anthems? They don't have to necessarily be one hit wonders, but Dan Wilson was able to write the song that is used to close down bars mm-hmm. now. So the first thing that came to mind is another song where nobody's going to be able to recognize the name of the artist or the name of the song, but when they hear it, everybody knows it. Gary Glitter's Rock and Roll Part 2. Yep. Now, none of you know what song that is, but if you've ever been to or watched a sporting event... I'll drop a clip in. Yeah, it, it it's well known. Yeah. Um, you can't make it through a night of karaoke without hearing someone play Sweet Caroline or Don't Stop Believing." And Sweet Caroline, I know, is played at every, uh, I hope I get this right, Boston Red Sox game. Probably. <laughs> and then... You're I the don't sports think guy. I don't think I've ever been to a wedding without hearing Shout by the Isley Brothers. Yeah, and I think I think Shout and Rock and Roll Part 2, like they both have a, a shouting element. Yep. Um, that uh, that works to make something anthemic. Uh, closing time, like it has a repeated phrase, I think helps a lot. And then the, it has a real sing-along chorus. Right, right. But, you know, it's it's different from just a song that's a big hit that everybody knows the lyrics to, like, uh, maybe you don't, but Garth Brooks' Friends in Low Places. It is a very, very well-known song, but it's not an anthem for anything. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's very hard to create something that's like synonymous with a specific thing in the world. Right. It has to be a song that like brings people together around a particular kind of feeling or event. Like 1999 at New Year's by Prince. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's like, exactly right. Like like you hear it any time the rest of the year and you're like, that's a good song, but mm-hmm. aren't you playing it at the wrong time of year? <laughs> Yes, or uh, there's there's a joke there's a joke example almost there, and I just can't grab it. Um, yeah, so this I, I like pulled up the chords for this song, and uh, this song is very very simple in structure. Oh yeah, um, and uh, I think I think these anthemic songs tend to be based around a very simple, both very simple chord progression and very simple song structure. So people. Clearly, myself included, remember this song for the repetitive closing time, here's a line, closing time, here's a line. Yep. Um, uh, but let's go back for a minute and yep. talk about One Hit Wonders. Yes, okay. So we we tried to come up with a, what, some other 90s One Hit Wonders off the top of our head and just came up with a couple, and then I pulled up a list, and there are so many. Of course. Every decade has them. It's yep. just, it, it, it. you look at this list again, you go... I know who these are by, but I would be very surprised if most people know who some of these are by. And it also points out, which we've noted on the show before, that like songs, songs from like before Smells Like Teen Spirit are 80s songs, (laughs) (laughs) even if they came out in 1990 or 1991. Right. So, uh, for example, uh, Ice Ice Baby is a 90s one hit wonder, but that was 1990. Yep. Uh, EMF, Unbelievable. No rain. Yep. Speaking melon. of no rain, uh, 
last night, Lori and I watched the uh, the document. It's not a documentary exactly, but it is a film called All I Can Say that is uh, based entirely on the footage shot by Shannon Hoon on his Super 8 camera from 1990 until the day he died. I have been wanting to see it's this very so good. bad. So bad. First of all, it's it's uh, it's great. It like uh, you know it really you you get to know like what kind of person he was, and there's great footage of the band. There's great footage of them hanging out with Guns and Roses. Um, also, uh, like he and all the other guys in the band seem like all of your friends. I I just like picturing Blind Melon hanging out with Guns and Roses because when I think Blind Melon, I think Guns and Roses. I know, but <laughs> it's a delightful scene. What what did you watch this on? Um. I don't know. Lori bought bought a ticket through like Seattle Film Forum, I think. Interesting. And then okay. it was on Vimeo, maybe. Um, it's so, around. So Breakfast at Tiffany's by Deep Blue Something. Oh yes. Mambo Number no. Five, which you didn't note it, but Lou Vega. <laughs> yes, yes, Lou Vega. Um, Torn, Natalie Imbruglia. One of my favorite songs, Connected by Stereo MCs. Yeah, absolutely. And the one that I would like to do next time, since you chose Closing Time, I would like to do I Touch Myself. Which is by? Which is by Divinals. Correct. Um, it's it's another song that everybody knows. Now, I don't think it's an anthem. I can't think of a situation where everyone's like, whenever I do this, I touch myself, except for masturbate. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how many people are out there going I mean, oh wait not ready yet oh my song is on now i'm ready to go <laughs> that's right um, there's there's one that's not from the 90s but i want to mention it just because it works in the same fashion as uh dan wilson becoming a hit songwriter after their one hit wonder um Adam Schlesinger was the songwriter for Fountains of Wayne. He actually wasn't the lead singer. Um, yeah, it was Chris but, Collingwood. Yes, but he unfortunately died in April of COVID-19. He was one of the first fairly well-known people to pass away from the, mm -hmm. the virus, and it was very, very sad. He was another guy who wrote a bunch of hits after Stacy's mom, their one hit. right including he wrote the song that thing you do from the movie that thing you do which when you mentioned songs that sound like they may have been written in the 60s talk about a song that sounds like it was written in the 60s he just nailed that thing yes and i love like looking up stuff like that where it's like well you've got a a soundtrack or something where a bunch of catchy songs have been written for a band in a movie that's fictitious. Who wrote these songs? The other one that comes to mind is Almost Famous. Yes. Has a fake rock band from the 70s. And I honestly don't know who wrote all that music, but it's all oh, really well done. Oh, I knew well this done. at one point. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look this up uh, while, uh, <laughs> while we take the show out. Um, yeah, if you if you haven't listened to uh, Fountains of Wayne, uh, uh, Welcome Interstate Managers, which is the album that Stacy's mom is on, it is like packed with perfect melodies, start to finish, and it's like fifteen songs. Yeah, yeah, he he was a, an amazing talent and a friend of the show, Rich McLaughlin lived in New York and worked in the music scene for a long time there. 
And Adam Schlesinger, uh, after his fame with Fountains of Wayne and writing songs, the other thing he did in the meantime was he opened up a karaoke bar and you could find Adam regularly doing karaoke at his own karaoke bar in New York. Okay. Yeah. Quite interesting. Um, okay, I have some interesting news about Almost Famous. Uh, so some of the Stillwater songs in Almost Famous were written by Peter Frampton uh, with his then-wife, Nancy Wilson. Whoa. Um, and uh, another fact about Almost Famous is that uh, uh, the liner notes for Frampton Comes Alive were written by Cameron Crowe when he was 18. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> you, you said that wrong. You, you said... Uh, Peter Frampton wrote them with his then wife Nancy Wilson. You were talking about Cameron Crowe's then wife Nancy Wilson, not Peter oh, Frampton's oh, then wife Nancy Wilson. Yes. I'm like, okay. I feel like she was married to someone You're else. You're right. Oh, sorry. the director of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, so if you guys can think of uh, other one hit wonders or songs that specifically stand out from the 90s, uh, write to us on Facebook, write to us on Instagram. Um, and uh, where can we, where can they find us on those platforms? It's facebook.com slash hidden jukebox. No, I, I remember Instagram at jukebox hidden. Correct. Um, or you can go to hiddenjukebox.com and let us know uh, what other songs you think we should hit on this. And, uh, you know, th- those people who absolutely love Semisonic and take offense to uh, the fact that we don't think anybody knows the name of the band or any of the rest of their songs i apologize uh no and i think like they these guys have been at it for for over 20 years i think they are fully sonic at this point nice that was um that was a great joke question can you think of a song that would be like a good closing song to take this show out on Ooh, uh i was thinking welcome to the jungle okay sounds good (laughs) uh so long to the jungle (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> until next time uh i'm jake amster and i'm matthew amster burton 